Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lead Hership Global Program. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today we have an extra special guest, Debbie Morazek, president of the sales company. And today we're going to be talking about something I think is relevant to every single business owner out there, and that is how to ask for the business and drive increased revenue. You know, much like confidence, belief is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You only are what you believe you are. And this applies in sales too. Your beliefs actually shape you and they shape your business. And so as a business owner, you're in sales, whether you believe you are or not. In fact, every single day you have to sell yourself and you have to sell your product or your service in order to grow your business. So success really is 90% mental and you can actually alter your life by altering your mindset. You have to be a believer in order to be an achiever. So why are we so afraid to ask for the business? Why is it that all of us have difficulty talking about what we charge and actually asking for the business. Well, today, this is where Debbie Morazek is going to jump right in and give us guidance to help us navigate through this. She is the president of the sales company. And today she's going to discuss how we can all get more comfortable asking for the sales and how to have a sales conversation that actually leads to yes. You know, rejection is not personal and you're not pestering them. And Debbie is going to help us understand what the right mix is for follow-up take control of our fear, and begin to close more business than perhaps we've ever imagined. But first, before we jump in, let me tell you just a little bit about Debbie Morazek. She is amazing. She's a sales expert and author of, get this, 13 books all about selling, including the best-selling book, the Field Guide to Sales, the all-weather, all-terrain guide to selling. She is a seasoned C-suite executive bringing over 30 years of problem-solving, innovation, and leadership ability to her positions, largely in the technology industry. I got to tell you, Debbie is an absolute powerhouse, and she is a highly sought-after motivational speaker that absolutely loves empowering people to sell and to achieve more. She turned her top 1% sales career into an in-demand sales consulting company through the sales company, where she engages sales teams in and people in leadership to create predictable sales success through her coaching, consulting, and training. Her clients include entrepreneurs, privately held companies, foreign governments, and even Fortune 500 companies like technology giant Texas Instruments. 
Alcatel, State Farm, Merrill Lynch, Chevron, and more. More information can be found about Debbie and the services she offers at her website, thesalescompany.com. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be with you and your fabulous ladies. I'm so excited. Hopefully we can help them today. Oh, I know you're going to help us all (laughs) navigate the thorny issue of asking for the sale. So before we jump in, I'm interested in learning more about you, Debbie. So tell us a little bit about your journey. What led you to have such passion around adopting the kind of sales mindset and sales process that accelerates success. Absolutely. So for me, uh, I got into sales as many people do. I started at Texas Instruments. I was in international accounts payable, then went to customer service. And then I went into inside sales where, you know, you were really responsible. You know, you had a number each month, you had a target, you were responsible. And it's not only for that month, but, you know, it's like every month. And so I began to learn about the relationship, you know, like how you're like, wow, I really love to work with Linda. Uh, Mary's okay, but I'm not so sure, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm a people person. I like people. I, I love the social aspect, the communication of it. And so then, you know, it was kind of like, I, I know many people play sports. I do not. I do not like to sweat. But I tell people what sales is for me is my sport. Because like every month there was a number and you get that number and it was like, woo, then you get a check and then you get that number and you get a check, you know, kind of deal. So it ended up being a game that really intrigued me. But even more than that, not only did I have success if I did it well, but my clients had success if the products I provided them really worked in what they were creating or if my consulting really helps them grow their business Well, that idea of a win-win-win for me is nirvana. I just absolutely loved it. And then I went on and did outside sales and then eventually got into consulting. And because I had grown up in the technology industry, I quite frankly thought I would only work in the technology business. But because we're all girls today, and I'm sure some of your girls are already girlfriend girls, or as I say, the good ones, the friend girls. Well, I had a friend girl who owned a company, very successful. She was the CEO, calls me one day. Now, this is the friend girl that you call when you've done really great. You know how we're not supposed to talk about those things out there, but you could call her and go, oh my gosh, girl, I'm so great. I did this today. It was fabulous. And she would go, well, of course, you're a rock star, you know, kind of thing. That friend girl. Well, she calls me one day and she said, you know what? I don't understand how come you never helped me with my people. I went, well, darling, we both know I don't know your business. And she said, well, I don't think that matters. Sales is sales is sales. And I don't know why you, you know, you help everybody else do great, but you don't do anything for me. And it was just like, I was crushed. I said, I tell you what, I will take on your company as a beta. She had six salespeople. And I will do that if, in fact, you'll let me speak to them when we're concluded about how this experience was. So what I thought I could do is compare it with the technical people and there would be some revelation of why I cannot do this. 
Well, lo and behold, and as only friend girls can do, she changed my life because her business, I helped her, her people. She's absolutely right. Sales was sales. And so from that day to this, being able to really focus on the people that I work with, because sales is across the board in every industry, has made for an extraordinary career and life journey and just bless me in ways that I can't even begin to tell you. Oh, Debbie, I love that. And I love the fact that now you're unafraid to really help consult and coach anyone from any industry about that unique process and mindset associated with sales. But just a level set. First, let's talk about the distinction between marketing and sales. Where do those two join and where are they separated? So uh, unfortunately, you know, people use the terms interchangeably like they're the same thing. For me, if you think about a wheel with various spokes, there is a marketing wheel. And in that marketing wheel, you have PR, you have your social media, you have website, but then you have sales. Sales is a spoke of marketing. And one of the easiest examples uh that I like to use because we all know what Coca-Cola is and it's my favorite beverage in the red can with all the caffeine and calories. Um, But Coca-Cola went out across the universe. And at some point, you know, they do marketing for various products, different things that they do. So they're doing research. They're talking to people. uh, They're, they're doing taste. they're, They're doing all kinds of things. And then they decide we're going to have this product and we're going to market. Well, let me tell you something. That is great. All of that is marketing. Even billboards, TV ads, all of that is marketing. But unless somebody sells it to Tom Thumb, their grocery store, and it's on the shelf for me to buy, it doesn't matter what they market it. If they don't sell it, it doesn't matter how much marketing they did, how great it was, et cetera. It doesn't matter how much they spent on it, but it doesn't work. So the marketing and sales have to work together. Your marketing needs to drive sales. So I saw you on the football game last night, did a commercial for a new kind of Coke, and I'm going to the grocery store this morning to get something. And it's like, I'm going to get a six pack of that. And it's there. Sold. That's sales everybody has to sell something. Money has to change hands for it to be sales and you to survive. That makes so much sense, Debbie. I love that, how sales and marketing need to work together. Always. And it as though marketing primes the pump for a sales transaction to take place, which I love. So we've also talked a little bit about sales mindset really what it takes for a business owner or a sales leader to actually ask for the sale. So can you talk a little bit about a sales mindset? Why does that matter? And how do I know if my sales mindset actually helps or hurts me? Absolutely. So I oftentimes say, you know, the six inches that we have between our ears, believe it or not, is our biggest uh, success or the thing that keeps us from success. It is that mindset. It's what we're thinking. And what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, I have nine little bullets I would just like to read. And I would like the audience, as I read each one, if this is you, just do a little check. 
Okay, just a little check. I'll be real quick. So the first one is, do you personally have a fear of rejection, a fear of failure? Okay, some of us do. I do about some things, but not about others. So do you, as it has to do with sales, do you believe that you do not deserve success? Mm -hmm. Do you not really believe in your product? Now, this may seem ridiculous, but let me tell you, there are plenty of people out there selling something because it brings them money, not because they believe in what they do. In the, in the product that they're selling. So do you believe in your product? Uh, do you not feel comfortable asking or talking about money? Where I find people sometimes can talk about their product all day long, talking about how much it costs. It's like, oh my heavens, I can't say that. How many of you, you own your business, you're successful, you do many things in your business, but you do not want to do sales? Tell the truth. I won't look at your answers. And then how many of you are afraid if you do sell something that then there might be a problem? And so you're like, you don't want to deal with problems. And then how many of you, let me just go ahead and raise my hand for you to see, are in the habit of procrastinating about things you need to do like sales? We've all really, if anybody's really telling the truth, no Pinocchios here. We're all procrastinators sometimes. And then how many of us have this inner critic about our sales and how we do it? Well, you thought you were good, but you really weren't. No, no, no. And then how many of you are afraid of the competition? So if you go through those nine and if you, you know, checked off two or more, you're normal. And if you checked off five or more, I'm so glad you're here today because we are going to hopefully help you with that and make it so comfortable for you to ask in a way that's comfortable for you. I love that, Debbie. And I got to tell you, I, I checked off two, maybe three in that list. And it was uh, eye-opening to even recognize those habits in myself. So, Debbie, help us under understand how to overcome that yeah. kind of fear. If we do recognize ourselves in that list of nine, if there were two or three areas or maybe more for some that they said, yes, if I'm being really honest, I'd have to say I fit into two, three, four, maybe more categories. Mm -hmm. What can we do about that? Very good. So uh, one of the things I kind of like to level set is that no matter where you were with your list of nine, no matter where you are today with sales, I don't want you to spend another moment, another bit of energy um, feeling guilty about what you haven't done or the way that you've done it. I truly, I mean this sincerely, let it go. Let's imagine we're at a new beginning. We're going to start again with no guilt, and we're not going to worry about how we got off course. We are moving forward. So think about, for example, kicking the procrastination habit. 
You know, how do we get to that? Well, I don't know about you, but it's like too many things get going on. It's kind of like the guy at the circus with all the plates that are spinning. And then it's like, it's not that I didn't intend to make that call or that follow up, but it's like, it's nine o'clock at night and I didn't, you know, I just didn't. There's no, you know, great reason. So I have an exercise that I call 168 hours what are you doing with yours? And this can be your superstar homework assignment, but this is for you. And let me tell you, this is an assignment. Do not tell a single living soul that you're doing it. No one, no one, not your friend, girl, not your girlfriend, not your sweetie, not your business partner, your, nobody, nobody, because here's the deal with the exercise. We want you to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So if for one week you will go, not a week, you're on vacation, a regular week, but you go through and you keep up with what you do all day, 24 hours a day for seven days. And because the reason you don't tell anybody is nobody can tell you what you do with your time. They might try, but you go, no, I don't do that. Let me tell you something. Time is lost in minutes not in hours, you know, well, this is just take a minute. Well, the truth was it took 18 minutes, you know, kind of thing. And then all 24 hours of your minutes are gone. So if for one week you do this and go back and look at it and where you spent that time, that procrastination will become very obvious about why and what else you were doing instead of that. So I'm going to give you my example. The first time uh, I did this exercise, and this exercise was one that Dr. Deming had done years ago. And when I did it at that time, I was a one-person business. I had spent, not exaggerating here, 15 hours that week doing things in my office that I could have paid somebody $15 an hour to do. And let me assure you, I had $15 an hour for 15 hours. And if I spent 15 hours calling people, actually engaging in sales activities versus paperwork and those kind of things, that was so extraordinarily eye-opening to me. And I really, to this day, still do not believe anybody could have told me that. I needed to see it for myself in black and white for me and then go, hmm, here's what I'm going to do about it. One other thing I might mention, because I've been doing this exercise with clients over 20 years now, and uh, TV, think about how much time you watch TV in a week. And God love you if you're one of those who doesn't even own a TV. You and me are not the same there. But here's what I found in over 20 years. People watch on average 35 hours of TV a week. And you see, Miss Linda here is just, ah, but when you do this exercise for yourself, because here's the deal with TV, it may not be that you binged uh, the newest series for nine hours. No, you said, well, I'm just going to turn this on and watch a few minutes. And the next thing you know, you've been there an hour. Or you're just going to watch this one 90-minute movie, which is great. But then the one coming up next, oh, I didn't know that was showing on Netflix now, too. And so then you've spent three hours. So 35 hours can add up quickly. And the reason I'd like to use that particular statistic, like I said, most of us have an issue with TV, is that when you think about something you're wanting to do, and this could even be in your personal life, you wanted to take up a hobby or something like that, and you look back and you can tell yourself, 
I spent 35 hours on mindless TV last week, not one hour on what I say I so want to do, then you will obviously change your behavior. Nobody can make you change your behavior. But once you see your behavior, and that's why I began with those nine points, is that oftentimes we have no idea that we're really doing these things. But when we see that we are, it's just like, oh my gosh, I hadn't consciously thought about it, but now I know I could do something different. So that's huge for procrastination. Lack of procrastination will help your sales, will help your business, and even your personal life, you know, so you can do the things that you really want to do. And then the other thing was, I was going to say about your product or your service. If you believe in your soul that it is amazing, it is awesome. It's why you don't understand why other people, you have won half the game right there. When Linda talked about earlier about believing, you know, have you ever had somebody say, you know what, she's got it. What is it? I don't know, but she's got it. Well, we know that deal when you believe, when you have it in you, like Linda was saying, when you believe, people can't say, oh, that Linda, she believed. No, they don't say that. But what they say is she's got it. She loves what she's doing. She's passionate. She knows. I mean, have you all ever heard her talk about Leadership Global? Come on. She believes it. You don't even need to know her to hear her speak of it and know she does. So that's what I want for each of you. If you perhaps don't believe in your product or you're just selling it because of the money, I would like you to shift that thought process to where what you're doing really matters to somebody else. It doesn't matter what the product or service is. Who does it matter to and who do you want to help? Who do you want to change? Who do you want to serve by doing that? And I believe that powerfully Owning that, believing that will help you in the way you articulate what you do and other people will get it more quickly and buy more quickly. That's amazing. And really, both of those things are about self-awareness and also about mindset, about belief. Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in your product? Do you believe in your capacity to succeed? And are you mindful? Are you aware of how you spend your time? Are you careful in the way you allocate your most precious resource, which is always your time? Um, And the reason why I seem surprised when you were talking about TV is I, I very mindfully don't watch more than one hour a day. That's it. If that, (laughs) I created discipline around that. I don't want to spend my time focused on programming on television. So I very specifically ensure that I limit my time in front of the TV to an hour, but that's true in all areas of my life. And it's, it's a bit regimented, I suppose, but it also keeps me accountable to how I spend my time because I recognize that that is absolutely my most precious resource. So let me ask Debbie, in your experience, what do you think is most important to being successful in sales? Is it mindset? Is it skills? Or is it action, taking action? Well, it's actually a combination. But let me say this. You can really have all the knowledge about your product. You know, like I said, I grew up with technology people, you know, every little data point, details, pictures, schematics, all those kind of things. You can know everything about your product. You can even have a great mindset. But if you are not willing to take 
action, then it's not going to happen. Let me give you a quick story. This was on me. Uh, When I began my career in outside sales, I was in Houston, Texas, the seismic industry. And the gentleman that I called on, his name was Albert Ramirez. And in Houston, dresser industries, he was known as the godfather. You know, he was the guy with the fancy suit, the French cuffs, you know, put his legs up on the deck, you know, that guy. You know, handsome, darling, great. But So I was definitely the most junior salesperson that called on him. And I was also the only woman salesperson they had ever seen. Okay, so all the other guys, much more experienced, sell a whole lot more. But so when it was my turn to go in and say, okay, and today, and when he would say to me, no, Debbie, not today, I would feel so bad. But I would leave there like the little dog with his tail between the legs. But my real problem was my boss, Robert Bruce Smith. His mantra, when you would leave out of the office to go out to do sales calls, he would say, don't forget to ask for the order. Don't forget to ask for the order. And then you'd come back and he'd say, well, did you ask for the order? And it's like, well, you know, I gave him all the information. Did you ask for the order? And it's like, I really hadn't. I had talked all around it and I didn't, and it wasn't my day. So one day I'm going in to see Albert. Albert has told me no that day, but when I'm leaving, like, you know, I get up and I'm going to the door. I just, I'm standing here, he's still seated. And I turn around, I said, are you sure I can't have the order? And he laughed out loud and said, girl, that is good. From that day to this, I have never had a problem asking for the order. The deal was, it was me who was thinking negative. He wasn't thinking negative because I asked about the order. It just, my price wasn't right or it wasn't my turn or, you know, or something like that. But after that, just asking for the order. And so when people would say no, you know, then it allowed me to be me and say sometimes, you know, okay, like, can you tell me which day is going to be my turn? And again, they would laugh, you know, kind of deal. And a little asterisk on that story, uh, there was a horrible downturn in the oil business at one point, but I worked for a company. I got a paycheck on the 1st and the 15th. And if I did good, I did get a commission check. So Robert Bruce Smith did not care that there was a downturn. He paid you to do outside sales and he expected you still every day to go see people. So of course, I was still always going to see Albert. He was taking my visits, but there was nothing afterwards. Well, it's months later and I'm in there. And so he's giving me an order. I'm so excited. And then he keeps giving me an order and I look at him and I go, isn't this Leon's order? You know, like it's it's big and I'm not the one that gets the really big one. And he said, Debbie, let me ask you a question. Have you seen any of those fools in here the last nine months? Um, I, I said, well, you know, no, no, sir. And he said, haven't you been here every week because of that mean boss of yours? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, they haven't showed up. Here at Dresser Industries, we don't deal with cherry pickers. We're interested in people that are interested in our business, good times or bad. And he said, you've been here for nine months asking for the order, even though there wasn't one to give you. And today is your day. And I wrote over a million dollars worth of business that day. Wow. That is that yeah. is a masterclass in persistence. Absolutely. 
And, you know, we talked a minute ago about relationship. He ended up being my greatest advocate in the seismic industry. And he told everybody she showed up here for nine months. I started getting business from all kinds of people that I never had even called on. Yeah. Yeah. Your actions. People are looking at what you do. So your actions are critical. Oh, what a wonderful answer to that question about, you know, is it mindset? Is it skills? Is it action that really determines success? And that story will resonate with me forever, which is all about action. Yep. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can be incredibly skillful, but if you don't take action, it doesn't really matter. I love that. So Debbie, help us understand how your own emotional intelligence actually helps sales professionals and business owners be successful asking for the sales. What does emotional intelligence and self-awareness have to do with sales success? I think it has everything to do with it. And, you know, one of the keys to my success in the consulting part of the business, number one, I actually did sales, you know, and many people teach sales and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, the theoretical, but mine is very real world and I've had that experience. And so what I believe is in what I do, I don't want Linda to be Debbie. I want Linda to be Linda. You know, so once I got comfortable with me, I had um, when I I started in outside sales, this is no exaggeration. I wore the like serious navy or black suit, white shirt, little bow tie, dark stockings, closed toed shoes, had my briefcase and all. And I had a woman. This is that like a year or so in. And I had a woman who said to me, you know, Deb, the day you start acting like you, the better this is going to go. And I said, but this is somebody I really regarded, respected, loved. And I said, but I am. And she said, you're not. You're not. She said, I know all those guys wear dark suits and white shirts and all that, but that's not you. And he said, and when is the last time you let anybody know you have that beautiful little boy or you have to be? I never talked about anything personal. I only talked about, you know, and um, she said, I'm here to tell you, mark my words, the day you start acting like you, maybe you wear a little yellow, a little pink or something with your dark suit, then maybe things will change. Oh my God, because I loved her and I respected her, I, I, little things, you know, like I would say, you know, like, oh, I see you have a little boy, like they had a picture in their office or something, you know, I have one, you know, and it's like, and people love that. And then I did try a little color, maybe a little necklace or, you know, and it's just like, and people would say, you look so nice. And it's like, I started to feel different. Why? Because I was no longer suppressing being who I thought I was supposed to be, but I was being fully me. So fast forward to today and working with other people, I do not want them to be introverted if they're extroverted or extroverted if they're introverted. I don't want them to be chatty Cathy's if they're quiet. None of that. I want you to be you. And I want to help you recognize how you are because there are plenty of people at the, you know, whatever, 8 billion people on the planet that will do business with you 
because you are who you are and doing business how you do it. When people say my business, anyone, well, in theory, that is true. Perhaps your business could be anyone, but who is best for you? So I believe my gift has been in my consulting practice is helping people recognize it is okay for them to be who they are and then helping them identify who they really are. And then that's how we're going to sell. But then how are we going to attract people that like people that are like that? And I think that is the key to success. And it makes it so much fun. I love it every day still. (laughs) That is great, Debbie. I love that. And what wonderful advice, which brings me my last question, actually, which is about leadership advice. Debbie, you've had a phenomenal career. And through that career, I'm sure that you have received leadership advice that has made a big impact on you. So what is the one piece of leadership advice that's made the biggest impact to your success that you'd like to share with others? You know, I forgot about this being the last question, uh, because what I just told you is the number one piece of advice to be you. Be you. And every day when I'm me, you know, it's just like, I love it. I've had a happy day and I'm with people who love me just as I am. I don't have to change or be something else. I I wish I'd known it five years sooner than this wonderful person shared that with me. And then, you know, I got brave enough to try it. But if you know, you know, as you sit there listening to this today, you know, I really was acting more like this person or I was acting like I knew this or, you know, whatever. Let's stop the acting, you know, let us just be us. And when you're you, I believe you attract in the people who are like you. I love that, Debbie. Thank you so much. That was absolutely not just informative, but inspiring. So you demystified sales, made it accessible to everyone, and actually made the whole sales process inspiring and exciting. And I am so grateful to you. You also brought a lot of self-awareness to what some of our obstacles or roadblocks might be to actually embracing the process of sales. And I appreciate that so much. I really I am so grateful for your uh, willingness to share your expertise, your experience. And for all of you listening, I will tell you, Debbie Morazak is truly a sales expert. As I said, she's the author of 13 books all about sales. And if you've not gotten the field guide to sales, the all-weather, all-terrain guide to selling, I can't recommend that highly enough. Debbie, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me and your fabulous ladies. I loved it. Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today. As women and as leaders. See you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.